Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Hey, what's today? Great Scott. If my calculations are correct, it is now precisely October 21st. Back to the Future Day. I'm from the future. Back to the Future Day, Lucky. Is it really? Yeah, maybe you could sit the boys down and watch that this afternoon. Yeah, perhaps. Have they seen Back to the Future? I don't, I don't think so. John Mulaney does a terrific bit, if you want to look it up on this day, and today would be a good day to look it up on YouTube, on how Back to the Future would have been pitched to the movie company that produced it, <laughs> and how it makes very little sense now. Right. You know, when you're a kid and you watch a movie, you just you accept it for what it is. You really don't question anything. Yeah. And he said, you know, I watched it recently as an adult, and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, there's, Freud would have been a fan. Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. Anyhow, it is Back to the Future Day if you're a fan of those films. I think I have the series on DVD somewhere, if you'd like to borrow it. Well, perhaps, yeah. Although I'm sure it's streaming everywhere. Oh, yeah, you'll be able to find it. Um, Music is so important to most of our lives, and many people say it was one of the most important things during the pandemic. We have uh, certain songs that we listen to over and over and over again to cheer ourselves up. I will often mention uh, songs on a list I never tire of. Right. Just some songs that you just think, boy, it's so great and uh, can listen to it all the time. I always wonder when I hear like a classic like Don McLean's American Pie, if he if he put his pen down, sat up and went, well, I'm done. That's it. Like I'm never how, how will I ever write? I got it. How or how will I ever write anything that is comparable? Well, you probably had Carpal Tunnel because it's like a ten-minute song. It's a great pee break song for a radio <laughs> oh my DJ. Goodness, yeah. yeah. Uh, many people create specific playlists for different moods. Like if you're tired, you might want to put it on a party playlist. Yep. People admit to uh, at least uh, one song making them cry every time they hear it. Oh, every time they hear it, wow. I got a playlist of cry, cry songs. So I just. <laughs> I just sit there and blubber for days. Suck your thumb in the oh, fetal position. Got a, a lot to work out. <laughs> yeah. People say they've expanded their taste in music during the pandemic and listen to stuff they wouldn't normally put on. And that's easy to do these days. And sometimes if I'm in the backyard or we're, we're doing something, golfing, of course, we'll, we'll play music on right. the cart. And I will sometimes go and, and, you know, play something a little different. I found myself downloading like more playlists or streaming more mm. playlists and, and with it songs that I didn't know. Right. Or had kind of forgotten about. Yeah. Or ever like a new song yesterday I had on repeat, uh, the new Lumineers song that we're playing. Okay. Called Brightside. And, yeah. and, I I heard it. Uh, I think uh, I heard it. Lorianne play it when I was on my way home yesterday. And I was like, "Boy, what is that?" And mm. uh, go and download it, and absolutely loved it. Yeah, yeah. I li- I like uh, I like doing that, especially. Uh, I'll, I'll always go with mood things for music. So if it's like a Sunday afternoon in, right. in the backyard, I'll be up my lazy Sunday afternoon music or okay. whatever you know, cooking dinner Friday night. Yeah, music I've or, got like a dock theme basically, yeah. like for the cottage yeah. that kind of thing. Yacht rock. Yeah, some some softer <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and I tend to pull that one out of the golf course because my own playlist, like you know, it's all right, but every now and then, you know, raging against the machine yeah. when you're putting doesn't quite <laughs> fit. Yeah. And Dave Matthews just puts you to sleep. <laughs> he's asleep in the car. Well, he's listening to Dave Matthews. Just over a, a week away now from Halloween, are the uh, boys' prepared costumes picked out? Uh, they were working on it last night. Yeah. Uh, from what I was uh, told. What are we going with? 
Uh, they're both kind of like the, the inflatable stuff. They want, um, Christian's got one where he's being like attacked by an alien. It's, it's actually okay. pretty, pretty funny. So are you a family who actually uh, designs and builds your own no. costumes or you just uh, go find the, the dollar a, store stuff? I say a family that does it. I have had little to no involvement whatsoever <laughs> in that. Uh, Adrian has uh, in the past made costumes. Yeah. Uh, or at least completed, uh, assembly of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I tend to just hand out the candy. You know, I had a buddy when growing up, and his dad was one of these uh, handy guys. He'd do it all, you know. And uh, he would always come up with the most elaborate costumes. Mm. He would build them. Like he'd make a, he'd build a, a robot thing for his son, and he'd, he'd put lights in it and the whole deal, you know. And my dad would take a, a wine cork and burn it and rub it on my <laughs> cheek and call me a hobo. <laughs> Send me out the door. <laughs> This kid had everything. (laughs) You know, he'd be a car, and his dad would somehow build, like, a fake car around him. (laughs) Go get some candy. See if the neighbors got some scotch. Listen, this is no joke. For a while, my dad used to take my sister and I out. And, you know, this would have been in the 70s, and we lived in the same house, like, my whole life up until I was about 19 or so. And so we knew everybody on the street. And my dad would take me and my sister. We'd be dressed up in whatever. And we would literally only end up at about three homes. <laughs> We'd come home with like three pieces of crappy candy. Because every house would invite my father in and he'd sit and have a pint. And we're sitting on the couch sweating our baguettes off. Oh, yeah. So then finally my mom said, this is ridiculous. And she started taking us out. And my dad had to hand out the candy, which he grumbled about the entire time. Right. Because he didn't want to have to deal with the stupid neighborhood kids. Uh, he's not getting his beer at no. the neighbors. Oh, yeah. Old Bobby isn't winning any awards for Father of the Year anytime soon. He's a good man, but he gets focused on his own stuff. Anyhow, as Halloween is uh, coming around, if uh, if you want in on your kids' candy action, you better be quick about it. Most kids will eat all of their candy within the first week. Wow. Then they usually leave the crappy stuff that nobody wants. I think we just threw some out from last year. Really, eh? Yeah. Because it, it, it's, I guess, then Christmas rolls around and you know, all that stuff. And yeah, then... you get busy. My uh, Again, back to my childhood with candy and Halloween. My sister was a hoarder. She'd keep it all. You okay. know, she'd have a little piece every day. Right. I was one of these kids who gobbled it all back in the first week, and then mm. I would just be desperately pleading with her for her to share. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Mine's all gone. Um, the average parent is willing to drive 6K to take their kid to a prime candy neighborhood. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know of a few neighborhoods like outside of your own circle, or do you just do your street? Yeah, we tend to do our, well our area, right? Um, you know, some, they'll go, go venture out a little further because you go for quantity, right? You have to make that decision. You're going for quality mm. or quantity. If you're going mm-hmm. for quality, you go to the really big houses, mm-hmm. but they're more spread out. Yeah, you'd always, and I remember always hearing like, uh, you know, go to the wealthy part of town. But yeah, it was hit and miss. One, yeah, the homes were bigger, so tougher to get to. And sometimes they were just not into, they didn't care. Yeah. You know? They didn't get rich by handing stuff no, out. No, no, <laughs> They hoarded it. Yeah, and you'd always get the dentist who gave out the toothbrushes and you hated him. But there'd be one, like on the block, somebody would say, they're handing out like real chocolate bars. Like right. Full size. Full size. Everybody would scurry over there. Or the can of pop. Yeah. Well, you're getting thirsty uh-huh. on your on your route. Uh, the top five spots where we expect the best candy to be: a friend or family member's neighborhood, 
densely packed areas in cities, apartment buildings. They used to be good because you weren't allowed to go floor to floor, but all the tenants could, if they wish, bring down and hand out candy in the lobby. Oh, okay. I remember when my dad and my mom lived in their condo, that was the deal, and they'd sit down there with the other people in the condo and have a drink and gab. And the kids, could, so you could go in and hit like thirty people in one one go. I just launch off the balcony, <laughs> throw them at the kids. Hey, kid, open your bag <laughs> and look down. And um, parents will go trick or treating with their kids and let them hit an average of over twenty five houses before it's time to go home. Is that the average? Okay, yeah. But no matter how long we stay out, most kids never think they got enough candy. <laughs> I remember going home like if you use like a pillowcase, yeah, refilling, oh, dumping and heading back out again. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it was a, when I was a kid, I absolutely loved it. Yesterday we were well, the day before I lose track of time, but um, we were talking about Dave Grohl going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And how Paul McCartney is going to induct the Foo Fighters. Right. And we were, we knew for a fact that this would be his second go around, but we were wondering how many other artists, and I didn't think there was that many, but there's actually quite a few. Uh, Jimmy Page has gone in twice uh, with the Yardbirds and Zeppelin. Jeff Beck was another Yardbird, but also a solo artist. All of the Beatles are in, uh, and, and all members uh, are solo artists. Does Ringo Starr deserve? <laughs> I mean, he had a couple of hits out of the gate. Photograph was it? Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, he was the first guy to like Kodachrome, have a, that's what it was. Top yeah. forty? No, no, photograph. I think Photograph was, was Paul Simon. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the first one to have a top forty hit out of the four of them. I think he had a couple of them. That in your sixteen, you're beautiful. That's and right. Love, yeah, it doesn't fly Very today. Creepy, right? Yeah. Uh, Ronnie Wood is in there with the Stones and the Faces. Okay. Same with Rod Stewart, but he's Faces and Solo. I would have thought, uh, yeah, oh well, yeah, those, those two. No, Stewart wouldn't have had another one. No, no, that's, right. that's the only band he was ever in before he became a solo artist. Maybe Sting? Would he be in there twice? Police know. and Solo? He doesn't show up on the list. No. Are the police even in? They must be. You would think. Yeah. Again, Sting, oh man, is there anybody more boring? Like, his music with the police was outstanding. Right. New, different, creative for the time. His solo stuff is just a snore fest. It's pretty slow. I mean, Fields of Gold was a, that, that 10 Sumner's Tales, whatever, was a huge album yeah. for him, but slower stuff. If I was going into surgery. Very jazzy, too. If I was going into surgery instead of anesthesia, I'd say just put on a Sting <laughs> CD. I'll be out in seconds. Uh, or tantric, yeah. either way. Uh, Stevie Nicks went in as a solo artist and with Fleetwood Mac. All right. Tina Turner, who's going in as a solo artist, already went in with Ike in 91. Right. She'd like to forget that one. but They didn't show up together for that. Right. Um, Michael Jackson as a solo and Jackson 5. Okay. Carol King as a solo and a um, and a, a, a non-performing because she wrote writer yeah okay so much music. Curtis Mayfield went in as a solo and with the impressions. Crosby, Stills and Nash. So Graham Nash is also a member and in with the Hollies. David Crosby is also in as a solo and with the Birds. Stephen Stills was inducted with the Buffalo Springfield. Uh, and a solo. So they are all in with Crosby, Stills, Nash and solo and other bands. Neil Young, he went in as a solo artist in 95, but refused to attend when Buffalo Springfield was inducted two years later because he didn't like that they were televising it. Oh, well, of course. Why would you want that? Who knows? You get the idea that Neil Young is difficult. <laughs> There's that David Geffen uh, documentary that's really good where when he started Geffen record, Records, one of his uh, signs 
was Neil Young, who had already been like a huge success, but was bouncing between labels, didn't have anybody representing. And uh, so Geffen signs him to like this long term, massive deal. And, and Neil Young turns around and decides he's going to go like rockabilly. He's going to do something. And he puts out like three records under Geffen that sell nothing because nobody wants Neil Young doing anything. But, you know, right. uh, go back so. to old man. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. And it's the same with him and Bob Dylan and Van Morris and all these guys who do a concert and decide they just want to do the new stuff. Oh, I remember like we almost had riots about a decade ago. Van Morrison. Uh, he put out like like a jazz album, mm. and he came and played it, and mm. like refused to do anything else. <laughs> you go and pay all this money. All you want is two minutes of brown eyed yeah. girl. Oh, everyone's screaming. They got you. You made your sign, cardboard holding oh, it up for man. brown eyed girl. Yeah. Nope. That's where guys like Elton John and Neil Diamond, and I guess the Stones, and, and so many so many others, Just they play get the role. It. Yeah. They get it. Play the hits. Yeah. Just do a jazzy version of Moon Dance if you have to. Yeah, but you also you also don't go and sell out the uh, the Scotiabank Arena and do nothing but your new stuff. You right. want to do that? Play a a, a soft seat or that something. That always drove me nuts about award shows too. When um, you know bands would be there because of the album that they just had, right? But they wanted to promo their new one. Mm-hmm. So they get up and play something you've never heard before. <laughs> oh, exactly. Uh, so the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, goes down. I th- think in November. So hang on a second. Who was the one person that's in there three times? I always thought thought it'd be McCartney. No, it's Eric Clapton. Oh. He went in as a solo and Cream and Yardbirds. I don't don't think Wings ever went in. Right. Uh, Does Wings deserve to be in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, probably. Yeah, Yeah, it was a little weak. A little weak in that department. Paul, Paul you go tell Paul that. Yeah, <laughs> the Beatles stuff, fine. Some of the solo stuff, eh. But that wings thing was embarrassing. It was a time when uh, late night talk shows were just the biggest deal. You know, starting with Carson, of course, and he was the only one, and so he was the king of of late night, as they called him. And, and you went on to the likes of Letterman and others. And Letterman through the eighties was such a big deal. I remember. You know, certainly radio people uh, just were were crazy for him. I uh, I worked uh, at a station once where I was producing this little talk show, and this would have been, I guess, mid mid eighties. And uh, for some reason, there was something going on. I think the host just really was just such a massive fan of David Letterman. Oh, actually, I remember this host. Here's another a side story. So this host at one time had done a morning show. And he used to be really connected with like yuck yucks and all these other uh, comedy clubs. And so he would bring in, uh, comedians who had performed at yuck yucks the night before or were going to be coming and they'd come in and co-host the morning show. Okay. Right. And, uh, so one morning he's got this young comic in who had been playing in Toronto and he's got him on the air and they're going back and forth. They're having a good time. And the general manager who owns the station, um, he calls in on what we used to call the bat line, the hotline, and he would say to the host, kick that guy out. He's not funny. I don't want him on my airways. Get rid of him. But the host thinks he's terrific, so he he doesn't get rid of him. Yeah. GM calls like three times during the morning show. I said, get him out. Wow. He won't. He lets him stay. They do, do the show. The uh, general manager slash owner of the radio station Walks in around 10 to 9 or just before the show is over and boots David Letterman out of the studio. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was a nobody at this time, right? It's a great story. That's fantastic. So this guy, I ended up working with him and he uh, said to me, we should try and get, uh, 
you know, David Letterman on and make a phone interview. He might remember me, blah, blah, blah. So I call NBC. I go through like 50 people just to get to his like personal assistant. Right. And I leave a message and I say to her, uh, oh, this is great. I explain the whole thing. She says, oh, okay. I- I'll tell Dave. Uh, I-, I don't know if he'll get back to you. Like, or she says, okay, I'll tell Dave. And I go, oh, great. So when can we expect to hear from him? <laughs> like it's a done deal, <laughs> yeah. you know? And she says, um, I wouldn't hold your breath. He's got messages he hasn't returned from seven months ago. <laughs> so we, we never did get them. And we ended up just going into the phone book and finding a D letterman. Oh, really? And that's because we, for weeks we teed it up. <laughs> I think we were going into like ratings or something. And so we wanted a big splash. And then we got this guy and he was just a dud. Like we got him on, like we called him and arranged all it. He's like, Oh, I'll play along. I'll play along. And then day of, he's just had nothing to say. <laughs> Anyhow, that was my. David Letterman story. And the, and the reason uh, I share all of that is because that just shows like the height of how popular these things were at one time. Oh, right. And I don't think they are anymore as much. I, mean, I don't think any appointment watch, tuning uh, stuff right. like that, right? right? I mean, like, you know, at one point, like, oh man, it's, it's, it's 10 after 11. I gotta, I yeah. gotta tune in now. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't. We watch all the highlights on YouTube. Anyhow, someone compiled what they believe to be some of the greatest moments from talk shows, not just late night, but daytime as well. Okay. So we saw, most of us, I think, remember seeing things like Oprah uh, with Tom Cruise jumping on the couch. Yes, right? Yeah. Um, Oprah would be on there, the, giving away the cars, right? That's a big one. Yeah. yeah that's on the list. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, daytime, is, if, if Geraldo's on there, there's mm-hmm. got to be the, the broken nose. Yeah, that was a huge one. I'm trying to think of what else. I, I mean, were there any crazy Maury or... Uh, Donahue kind of, uh, you're the father ones that... Jerry Springer had... Springer, a, that's right. He had one where he interviewed a man who was marrying a horse. I, <laughs> I didn't see that one. <laughs> uh, he did marry his horse, I guess. It uh, really? Yeah. I don't know if they're still together. Was that consummated? I, I hope not. Um, the Arsenio Hall show, this I remember for sure, when Magic Johnson showed up and talked about his HIV diagnosis. Oh, right. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of woo-woos on that no, one. No, not that. Now, Arsenio Hall is interesting. He did a lot of uh, interviews with the uh, press when he was promoting Coming to America, too. And he talked a lot about, like, he had massive names on that show. Yeah. The, the, the guys who wouldn't go. Like Clinton showed up and played saxophone that right. one time. That was like a huge deal. Well, and it kind of started out as like the black alternative. That's right. To the late night talk shows. And then it, and when they realized, holy crap, we got a hit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it became everything. It was huge. Right? He, uh, well, it is said that he is the reason Carson called it a career because he just went, I can't compete. Who the hell is NWA? I can't compete, right. you know. <laughs> I can't compete with this kid. Uh, Ellen had Kristen Bell on and she had a meltdown over her love of sloths. I think I remember seeing that. I think I remember that, yeah. Jay Leno's show, Jimmy Kimmel goes after Jay Leno, uh, huge and embarrasses him and it's really awkward. It was around the time that uh, Jay had come back and gotten Conan fired. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Larry King Live, Larry and Marlon Brando sing a duet and then kiss on the lips. That I don't remember. Huh. And back to Letterman, um, when he had to uh, basically sit behind his desk and admit that he had sex with staffers to try to head off a blackmail That's attempt. right, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't get away with that today. No. Well, and, and, and what's funny is, like, like I love Conan, but what I see most of his stuff now is just all the online little bits that he posts. They do right. a lot of, of that little stuff. And if you haven't seen it, I think there's a, I think they were promoting Ride Along with, like, Ice Cube and uh, and Kevin Hart. Okay, right. And yep. um, and he Conan had like one of his staffers 
who was getting their driver's license, <laughs> take them out <laughs> and drive them around, and it is hilarious. It's his assistant, right? It's a woman, right? I think so, yeah. Her, I think it might have been one of his assistants. Right. Yeah. Oh, the outtakes and the stuff that Conan oh, has done. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So good. Are you a NASCAR fan? You like the car racing, Lucky? Uh, you know what? As I said, I'll watch any competitive sport. Mm-hmm. NASCAR, I have a pretty difficult time with. I certainly I don't think I've ever watched a race start to finish. No. Um, other car racing, I have watched some other car racing. I've gotten more into F1 since Netflix's special, mm. the F1 Drive. That that thing is or driven. That thing's incredible. Hmm. It really, really is captivating. Yeah, I uh, I'd rather watch a uh, a professional like a dog. Uh, you know, best dog in show. The Westminster? Yeah, I'd rather sit through that, I think, than right. uh, NASCAR. I, I find it so incredibly boring. But it's massive in the States. Uh, and the Daytona 500 was the first um, televised race uh, through uh, North America. And it was a instant hit for NAS- uh, NASCAR because the two leaders at the end of the race crashed, got out of the car, started fighting. <laughs> a big brawl right there on the track, and that got people talking about auto racing. Right. Mm. Works for hockey. Yeah, it certainly has. Plane exhaust fumes kill more people every year than plane crashes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you're living near the airport, remember that. More chocolate is sold at the Brussels National Airport in Belgium than any other place in the world. Really? Yeah. Belgian chocolate. Okay, I get it. The sixth Dalai Lama in the late 17th century rejected living as a monk and instead spent his life womanizing, drinking, and writing love poems and songs. <laughs> I like that Dalai Lama. It's a good one. Um, circumcision became popular in the late 1800s. Could you imagine? What a circumcision was like in the 1800s. Some guy with an accident. <laughs> Maybe that's how it started. It was Maybe. just, you know, hey, uh, I, I had an, I had the scalpel, I had the knife, mm. the blade. I had an idea. Then. Mm-hmm. I had an idea. Didn't go over that well. Screwed well, up. But now now to make everyone else look uniform. Yeah, we all got to do <laughs> we it. We all got to do it. Well, I think most people appreciate it. The anteater <laughs> look is not great. Um, no, it wasn't a, a mistake. It was allegedly supposed to cure masturbation. How'd that work out? Not good. No. No, we, you, you could lob it completely off. We'd still find a way to fiddle with it. <laughs> no, it's okay. I got a nub. Yeah, I get something here. And the average bra size is now 34 double D. Oh. Yeah. Is that, that's, uh, that's, that's going up. That's going, well, yes, it is. Uh, 30 years ago, it was 34 B. Oh. Now it's double D. So only the cup is growing. That's right. Something in the water. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.